You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville local lead pastor, Joe Couillard. Last week, we started in our series called Disconnected, and Disconnected In the series, we're starting this conversation of how do we as people of God engage with technology in godly ways? That's a really, that's a really, really challenging kind of thing. And today, I'm actually going to be talking about, and the sermon title for today is Parenting in the Digital Age. Parenting in the Digital Age. Now, immediately, if you're a parent, you're like, oh, cool, hey, some content, I'm gonna learn some stuff, right? That's great, hopefully, we'll see what happens. If you're not a parent, or if you're a grandparent, you're like, oh my goodness, why am I here? I mean, the weather's beautiful, why am I here hearing a parenting talk when I'm not a parent? And I'm just gonna be honest with you, I think over the course of studying for this Sunday and studying for all of this, I personally, even though I was, we were kind of aiming at a parenting talk, I personally was super challenged by all the content here today. And it even changed my behavior throughout the course of this week because it's so funny how when you start studying for something, it's it's like a mirror that's like shining right back at you. You're like, oh man, I need to kind of change my behavior, right? And so I think that even if you're not a parent, um, this today is going to just be very applicable to you as far as habits, as far as rhythms, as far as all those things. But today we're gonna be talking about parenting in the digital age. When I started, Have you noticed that everything it feels like is a smart device? What do I mean by a smart device? It means that pretty much that device will reach out to the internet and whether it has apps on it or something like that or if it does updates, pretty much it feels like everything is a smart device. And I feel like that there's actually a lot of very unnecessary smart devices. So I kind of, as we were studying for this week, kind of did this deep dive into completely unnecessary smart devices. <laughs> and the first one that we've got is an egg carton, uh, right? I, I did the same thing, I, I heard that, I heard that audible, what? A smart egg carton, like what in the world? So apparently this egg carton will link to an app on your phone and will let you know how many eggs you have left in the egg carton and will also kind of be able to tell you when eggs are just about to a point that they're going to spoil. Which I guess if you have problems with that, could be very beneficial. In my house, we've got four boys, right? So like egg consumption is not a problem for us. We, we, We are exponential in our consumption of food as a family. But if you need a smart egg carton, here you go. The one that was probably even the most ridiculous to me uh, was this one, is a smart diaper, all right? Smart diaper. <laughs> and uh, the way this thing works is that this diaper has a sensor in it and also is connected to like cell towers. And so as a child, I guess, wets a diaper, you get a text notification to let you know that the child's diaper is wet. So now you don't even have to parent. I mean, you, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But, you know, now, now technology is so convenient that you don't even have to parent. I mean, maybe call me old-fashioned, but we just kind of knew when our kids' diapers were wet because we would be checking, you know. Um, however, I can see one advantage because as a husband and as a father, I was definitely prone to doing this, that, you know, if a kid had a wet diaper, maybe if I don't, or maybe if I suspect it, 
but I don't actually go check it out, then I don't have to change the diaper, right? And so maybe there's moms in the room that are so excited about this new advancement in technology because now the husbands can get a text notification and they are mobilized then at that point to change diapers. I don't know, I don't, maybe, maybe this is a super good thing for you. And I don't want to give off, this is the thing, I don't want to give off this impression that I'm anti-technology, all right? Um, I actually, I'm, I'm 40 years old, I was born in 1982. I am seated right in the middle of this information age of things. And the information age is essentially the time period in the late 60s, early 70s, in which computers kind of came into being of being available for people. And all of a sudden, we're, we're transferring information left and right. And so I'm fully a part of the information age. And actually, even as I've gotten older, there's, there's a, another bit of terminology that came out in 2006, 2007 called the digital age, right? And the digital age is essentially the, the big transition into having smartphones. So rather than having computers that we went over to and we typed out stuff, we now had computers that could live in our pockets, which by the way, have more technology than what we sent people to the moon with, right? Which is completely mind-blowing. But that's the digital age, and I, so I've been a part of this for a long time. In fact, even as a child, I was super obsessed with technology. I thought technology was really, really cool. Some of you guys know what this is. <laughs> this is a blast of the past. Uh, shout out to my dad, who still had a five and a quarter floppy kicking around in the house, right? But a floppy disk, right? Now, this, this is the thing, some of you guys know this as a save icon. You have no clue what this is. You think this is just a save icon and just a really big version, a 3D printed save icon, right? <laughs> but this is a floppy disk and it has 1.2 megabytes of storage information. I mean, this is killer. This is cutting edge technology, right? Um, I play the Oregon Trail on that so often, right? Yeah, we got a couple of shout outs here. I mean, the amount of times I, my, my group died from dysentery, it's so horrible, right? <laughs> but man, Oregon Trail on five and a quarter floppy disks. And then when I was 12 years old, I actually, I worked real hard over the course of summer and I bought an i386 computer. Um, this was amazing and had a sound blaster sound card. So you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys have no clue. And this had a big whopping eight megs of RAM. I mean, this was like the bleeding edge of technology and super great, right? Um, and then in 2000, I ended up personally, because uh, I'm, I'm kind of an early adopter of technology, I ended up in 2000 having a Qualcomm cell phone, which this thing's a brick, by the way. Like if I, if I went to turn this thing on, it wouldn't be able to reach out to any cell towers, but man, this thing is, is like, it, it, you couldn't des destroy this thing. It was awesome, way better than flip phones. This Qualcomm here, um, you know, I've had, I had it in 2000, kind of a weird thing. I've had my same cell phone number since the year 2000, and it's 2022. You know what that means? Half of Greenville County has my cell phone number. That's what that means. <laughs> that everyone I went to college with that had my cell phone number still has my cell phone number today, right? And so I don't want you to, going into this talk, I don't want to give the impression that I'm against technology or like rejecting it or anything like that because the reality is that from my vantage point, technology is just here. Like you're not, we're not gonna be able to escape technology. It's here, unless you're Amish. And if you're Amish, hey, we wanna welcome you. We're so glad that you're here if you're Amish. Um, but most people are not Amish and most people realize that technology 
is here. So now we have to figure out what do we do with all this stuff? Now that, now that it's here, what do we do with all this, right? And we're, we're pretty much, it, it's, in, it's inescapable. We can't ignore it. It's here to stay. And the, th the other thing is that technology can form our thoughts. I mean, it's, it's this window, it's this traffic into our brains and into our hearts. And, and, a, and a lot of times the content can form how we think and how we feel. I want to talk about, in psychology, there's, there's, there's many laws, but I want to really focus in on two different laws. First law is this one, the law of cognition. The law of cognition. And, and, I, and I know, yeah, I, I know I skipped around. Thank you. <laughs> the law of cognition. And essentially, the law of cognition states this. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So in other words, and that's, that's actually, when you think about God's word and you think about how it talks about so much about being, the renewing of your mind or letting your mind be transformed, man, we actually have science that backs up what God's word has been saying for a very, very long time. But the law of cognition is your life is shaped by your thoughts. So what you think about is how your life ends up being formed. There's a second law, the law of exposure, right? The law of exposure says this, you think about what you're exposed to. So you think about what you're exposed to. Now, why in the world would these two laws be so important in this conversation, talking about technology and families and parenting uh, in the digital age. If I was gonna take these two laws and, and form an equation, because I, I I'm the kind of person that needs to simplify things so that I understand them. Exposure plus thoughts equals how your life is shaped. Exposure plus thoughts equal how your life is shaped. And this becomes so important when we start talking about technology and we start talking about the influences that are, are, that are essentially influencing us and how we think and, and what we're exposed to. There, there's an interesting fact, 74% of 18 to 34-year-olds reported that their phone was the last thing that they saw at night and the first thing that they saw in the morning. Now, I know that it, it's kind of, it feels like it's been this like trendy kind of thing to pick on like 18 to 34 year olds, right? Like that seems like it's a bit of a trendy thing to do. But the reality is that if you looked in the mirror and you asked yourself, maybe you're not in that age category, I'm not in that age category, but I know that this is a habit that I have, that I know that when I go to bed at night, I generally put my phone into an alarm kind of setting and then plug it up to charge it up. And the first thing in the morning, the alarm's going off, first thing I grab, right? And then sure, sure enough, there's a million notifications because all these apps understand that I wake up at this time. And so we're gonna make sure that we give the notifications before that. So it's the first thing that Joe sees when he wakes up in the morning. The, the reality is that most of us kind of fall into this camp, even though this is a very high statistic number, I think it's actually a broader reach for it. We can't fully control what we're exposed to. I mean, that's just the reality. We can't fully control what we're exposed to, but we can control and limit our exposure um, to different things. In other words, we can change how we interact with technology to limit how we are exposed to different things. Scripture teaches us this. In Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul is Essentially, I mean, I know these are ancient texts, but they're so relevant for today because it allows us to know what we're, what we're supposed to be fixing our thoughts on. And so verse eight and nine says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, 
One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. By the way, super side note, I don't wanna dive into this too much. It's not that peace will be with you. The language is that the God of peace will be with you. When we fix our thoughts on things, then we, re we recognize that, that God is actually with us. How does this all tie in? I mean, we're talking about technology, we're talking about uh, our fixing our thoughts, where we place those things, we're talking about notifications, we're talking about families, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that we're cooking up in the soup, right? The reality is, and if there's one thing that you're able to kind of take away from today as a proceed with caution, be advised, know that this is the reality, it's this point. There is a war for your family's attention. There is a war for your family's attention. And I don't want to sound like the sky is falling guy because I'm not, I'm not in that camp, right? But I recognize in my own life that I have to fight against technology to constantly want to grab my attention with every single notification. And, and so if it's a fight for me, then it's gotta be a fight for my kids. It's gotta be a fight for my family, right? And so there is a war for your family's attention. So scripture tells us to fix our, our minds on things that are honorable, that are, that are, that are good things, right? And then, and then we know that we're in this war for our family's attention. So how do we go about placing our family's attention on good things, on what God's word says? Like, how do, how do we go about doing these things? And I feel like it kind of, this is an, an important piece of the conversation, that parenting in the digital age requires both balance and boundaries. Once again, we're not Amish. We're not, we're not getting rid of all this stuff. We're not rejecting all these things. We know that technology is here. And so we're not, we're not rejecting all these things. But if we're going to exist with it, how do we exist with it? And parenting in the digital age requires both balance and boundaries, right? This is what I've learned so far about parenting. And I gotta tell you this, uh, today as I'm talking to you guys, I'm not talking as a like, child psychologist or like this incredible expert on, this, on these subjects. Laura Beth and I have five kids. And there have been seasons in our life where we've done really well with parenting in the, in the digital age, parenting with devices. And there's also been seasons in our life where it's not been the best and we've had to kind of course correct, right? That's, so when, when I'm talking today, I'm, t I'm speaking as a learner. I'm speaking as someone who is like committed to trying to find best practices for how we engage as, as, um, in the family context with digital things, right? But um, what I've observed about parenting is my nature generally is fairly cautious. I know how dangerous technology can be. I know as we introduce it into the family context, I know how problematic that could be. But my kids are getting older, and they're getting older. And more and more in the conversation is, Dad, can we have a cell phone? Dad, can we da-da-da-da? Dad, can we da-da-da-da? And as we're, as we're going, I understand that my role as a parent is to get my kids ready for adulthood. So they start off here, my role is to get them ready for adulthood, which means that I have to give them, as we progress, as they get older, 
various levels of trust. Well, trust is hard, especially if you're a cautious person. That's why you have to have a balance between, because your kids are gonna wanna be more ambitious than you wanna be, but you also need to find that kind of intersection where it works out for both. Now, balance without boundaries is incredibly problematic. I mean, if I told my kids, hey, kids, listen, screen time all day, knock yourself out. I mean, literally play video games until you're nauseous, knock yourself out. There's a good chance they probably would, if I'm being honest with you. And, and their, their eyes would be glazed over and like their minds would be leaking out of their ears and it'd be horrible, right? Like, it'd be bad news. So we have to have boundaries because we have to be able to protect our kids, right? Um, and boundaries help us create the ability to trust our children. So as we place boundaries in, and as we observe our kids working within those boundaries, then we can increase the level of trust that we give our kids, which honestly, when you think about it, is kind of the whole point of parenting kids, is to be able to trust them more and more so that they can grow up to be adults, right? In 2020, <laughs> um, in, in 2020, we were in a pandemic, and anything I knew about parenting in the digital age completely went by the wayside because I never thought I'd live in a time where I had to figure out how to parent kids and not let them have any sort of social interaction or go to the playground or like hang out with friends. I mean, this is a whole new turf. I remember we did a birthday party for our kids and it was like, it was like a digital Zoom birthday party. It's the weirdest thing in the world, man. I mean, like everyone's sitting around a computer and like they're trying to play like trivia games and we're like hosting a digital birthday party. Such a weird time during 2020. But in, in the course of 2020, my two older boys were, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how, how do we interact? How do we, how do we have engagement, right? Two older boys come up to me and say, hey dad, we really want to play Fortnite. Fortnite, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys have no clue what I'm talking about. It's a video game. If, if, in case you don't know what it is, it's a video game. Um, and a free-to-play kind of, kind of uh, video game. Kids want to play Fortnite. Now, I have had enough experience as someone who has been a part of the information age and, the, and currently in the digital age to understand how video games work. And I, I mean, I've, I grew up playing video games, right? I don't know if you guys have experienced like gamer chat, but gamer chat is the worst. <laughs> and so I'm thinking about like my, at that point, 11 and nine year old kiddos that are like trying to figure out how they wanna play Fortnite and I want to trust them with more. I know that this is, the, this is what's gonna need to happen. I need to be able to trust them with more, but man, I, I also don't want to completely wreck their lives by making a, a poor choice. So we've gotta find this, this boundary. And so we found a boundary. And what the boundaries looked like was that my kids played Fortnite without any sort of gamer chat. The other parameter that we put in is that, hey kids, listen, video games are about $60, and so, you can, over the course of this game, spend about $60 worth of things, like things that you can buy to add on to things, but you don't really need to go past that point because that's kind of how much a normal game costs. $60 is, is fairly reasonable. And third, um, I guess if we're gonna do this for our family, I'm gonna learn how to do this. And so at 40 years old, I started playing Fortnite. <laughs> which is super weird, all right? Let's just start there, super weird. Um, but we also used it as an opportunity, and to this day, 
Uh, it's actually something that we look forward to. Me and my two older boys, we about on a daily basis sit down and play Fortnite, which is super weird to say out loud, right? So, like, if you're judging me, don't judge me, right? It's for my kids. It's for my kids. <laughs> uh, but we play Fortnite, and in that context, we start talking about leadership, and we, we're like, hey, you know, you can't run off and do your own thing. Like, let's work together as a group. There's some team-building things that are going on. Balance and boundaries, finding that balance where it makes sense and having boundaries that, that make sense with it, right? This is the thing, healthy habits help us prioritize what is important. And that's really kind of the big piece of what's going on here when we start talking about attention is that there's so many things that want to distract us and place our attention on wrong things, but healthy habits help us prioritize what's important. Um, I want to kind of pivot the conversation and talk about five ways to form healthy digital habits for your family. Now, listen, I know you may be like, hey, listen, I don't have kids in my house. I don't, I don't even have grandkids around here. Like, I, like this, I could check out. You can't, all right, let's be honest. Like, this is, when I was going through this content, it was such a mirror for my habits and, and just really um, brought to light some course changes I needed to make inside myself. And speaking of which, the first point is be aware of your own habits. Be aware of your own habits. Listen, as parents, we cannot tell our kids to not text and drive, and we text and drive, right? As parents, we can't tell our kids to stay off their cell phones and not be obsessed with their cell phones if we're constantly on our cell phones. Like we, if, if it's hard to get our attention when we have the cell phone in front of us, that's problematic. That's teaching our kids the wrong habits on how to engage in things, right? We can't tell our kids that family time is a priority if we have our cell phone out during that family time. It's, contradic it's contradicting what, what our actions are contradicting, right? So we need to be aware of our own habits and make sure that we're looking in the mirror and, and analyzing what we do and make sure that those things are God-honoring and allowing us to think about things that are good, that are excellent, that are, that are praiseworthy, right? Second thing, create technology-free times and spaces. Create technology-free times and spaces. Listen, big one for me, dinner table. Dinner table. I don't want phones at the dinner table. We're supposed to be having a conversation. If you ever go out to lunch with me, one of the first things you're gonna observe is I will take my phone and I'll place it on the table, screen side down. Uh, mainly because I keep it in my pocket and I don't like having it in my pocket, but also because I want you to know that I am present for this conversation. In the same way, at the dinner table, if, you, if everyone has their phone out, where's the conversation at? It's subconsciously saying, hey, listen, the conversation here is not actually as important as the conversation out there, and I'd actually would rather be out there. It's super important that at the dinner table that we put away phones, that we engage in conversation. Family dinner for us has been a fantastic thing. It's a great, great way to be connected. Um, our kids, our youngest kids, aren't allowed to play video games during the school week. We noticed the pretty drastic behavior change when they were playing video games during the school week. And so we took that away and we said, hey, on the weekends, you're able to play video games. With our older kids, we recognize that it's kind of a means of, of social connectivity 
And so what we allow them to do is we allow them to play, after they're done with schoolwork, after they're done with chores, we allow them to play one hour video games um, to be able to interact and connect with, with different kids. Because we recognize the social elements of all that, of all that balance and boundaries. Balance and boundaries, right? So make sure that you're creating technology-free times and spaces. I did something really radical the other day. Um, it was actually this past Wednesday. Super radical. I got in my car, I left my cell phone at home, and I drove to pick up the kids from RSM. I know, cutting edge, man. Cutting edge, uh, completely like crazy thought, but I left my cell phone at home and ended up picking up my kids without a cell phone. And you know what's so interesting is I immediately notice a difference. I mean, we're only talking about a f maybe 10-minute drive, maybe 15-minute drive. But it's so funny how we as humans need technology-free times. We as humans need technology-free spaces so that we can connect with others. Imagine you went to the DMV and you decided not to bring your phone. You're not as panicky as I thought you'd be. I feel like that a lot of people would, I would, if I heard this, I would be internally a little bit panicky because now I've got to, I don't know, like make conversation with people <laughs> and do all this stuff, right? That's super weird. That's super weird for this time period. But there's some very valuable things that happen when we create technology-free times and spaces. Third, third point, keep technology out of your kids' bedrooms. Man, keep technology out of your kids' bedrooms. This is so important. And I know that there's smart TVs. I know that there's like all these things that, that reach out to the internet. And just my advisement would be to keep it out of your kids' bedrooms. Um, anything that reaches out to the internet, I mean, the, like I feel like I'm pretty versed on understanding how to create rich restrictions on things and, and setting up profiles and all like that because I, I kind of have always been involved in that kind of thing. Um, and even with the restrictions, even with all of that stuff, there are still problematic pathways that can lead to a lot of destruction. And for me, it's totally worth the uncomfortable nature of keeping all that out of my kids' bedrooms so that they can have their minds fixed on what is good, what is like pleasing the Lord, honorable, all those things, the verse that we talked about. It's totally worth it to do that. Um, we, another thing that we do with keeping technology out of our kids' bedrooms, it forces technology into main spaces in the house, which is just great for natural accountability. I can't tell you how many times that like, we, we thought a TV program was great, and my kids started watching it, and then all of a sudden I hear this like, sound bite of something. I'm like, huh, what was that? So I, can, can I go over to the living room? And I'm like, listen, I'm like, hey, kiddos, we don't, that's, not, that's not who we are. I know you just heard that, but that's, that's not who we are. That's not, that's, not how, that's not how we live our life, right? By pushing technology out of kids' bedrooms into common spaces, then as a parent, you get to engage with technology in real ways. And so don't let your kids be locked in, even, even to that point, don't let your kids be locked in on iPads with headphones, completely oblivious to stuff. You need to be a part of the conversation of shaping uh, what your kids focus on and what their attention is on, right? Um, I want to say this quick metaphor. I didn't say this in first service, but I think I've got the time to do it. So uh, if you'll give me the grace, we'll, we'll go for it. I had a, a friend of mine, a um, friend of Laura Beth and myself, dropped off their kids. This is about maybe four years ago at that point. Um, the kiddo was about 10 years old and dropped off a kid at our house. We watched the kid for a little bit. And I knew that that child didn't have any restrictions 
on their devices. I just knew that that was kind of like what the, what the situation was. First thing that happens, kid, kid asks, hey, what's the Wi-Fi password, right? And said, hey, I'm not going to give you the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the Wi-Fi password. What? <laughs> why, are you, why are you not going to give me the Wi-Fi password? Well, I just know that there's, like, you have no restrictions on any of your devices, and I just don't think it's, it's healthy for you. I also don't think it's healthy for, like, my kids, right? I, I gave them this metaphor. Let's say we decide to take a trip to Times Square, all right? And we go to Times Square, and all of us are together, and I say, hey, you know what? This is a pretty cool place. Like, tell you what, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, dropping you off. Uh, we'll be back here at about, I don't know, 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, Times Square is pretty rad. There's some good stuff. Knock yourself out. We'll be back at about 6, right? That would be super negligent as a parent, right? Everyone, everyone would universally agree that it's a really bad idea, right? What we forget is that the internet is a place. There's great things that happen on the internet. There's also really, really bad things that happen on the internet. And it's our job to help, help our kids navigate through all those different things to be able to know good and bad. And so that's why we have to have some sort of boundaries in what we do, right? Number four, limit the amount of digital choices for your family. Limit the amount of digital choices for your family. Um, we enacted a new rule. It, I mean, this is like hot off the press, man. 24 hours later, like this is 24 hours ago, maybe, maybe 48 hours ago, is that as a family, you're allowed to download maybe one app a week. What I noticed is that my kids were just constantly like, Hey, Dad, can I have this app? Hey, Dad, can I have this app? Da, 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 right? Or, or like they'll watch like a portion of a movie and then switch to another movie. Well, that, that instant gratification thing, that, that ability to just kind of like change and get whatever you want, that's not healthy. That's not realistic. That's not what life looks like at all. And remember, I'm trying to prepare my kids for adulthood. And so if that's not what adulthood looks like, then I don't, I don't need to condition them as children to be able to do that. And so we made a new rule. Hey, listen, you can download one app a week. And, you know, if there's problematic content or if there's something that's, that you don't feel comfortable with, we'll delete that app and you can re-download something else. I want you to be honest in that. But that's, it's kind of a new rule because I don't want that constant, constant ability to make choices and change and change and change. We, as a family, um, I don't know how this works in Android world. I know how this works in iOS world iOS world um, and Apple world, there's like tons of apps, tons of free apps. Guess what? If it's free, it's not free. They're taking something, right? That, that's, an, that's another side note. Won't get into all that. But free apps are generally not free apps. There's either advertisements, there's, there's things that you could pay for, all like that, um, within the application. We decided as a family that we want our kids to not be exposed to advertisements because a lot of those advertisements are just really, really bad. Uh, a lot of those advertisements are really, really bad. And so we actually decided to pay for Apple Arcade so that our kids could be able to download apps and we know that it's safe. Same thing with YouTube. In 2020, my kids got super hooked on Dude Perfect and How Ridiculous, which, by the way, if you don't know what those are, check them out. They're awesome, <laughs> especially How Ridiculous. How Ridiculous is a lot of fun, right? But we didn't pay for YouTube at that point. We're watching it as a family about a quarter of the way into the television program, we have an advertisement for a zombie movie. 
Well, that's not great. That's not setting my minds or setting my kids' minds on things that are good and pleasing and all that. So we decided to pay for YouTube so that we can get rid of those ads. These are all important things. It limits the amount of choices um, for our family. And number five, last one, allow your kids to be bored. My kids got bored yesterday. It was a great thing. They started pulling out art projects. <laughs> they ended up with all this like coloring. When was the last time you experienced boredom? That's a real question. Think about it. When was the last time you experienced boredom? Boredom is beneficial. Boredom, it gives our brain a chance to, to think and think creatively, right? Boredom, when we see boredom in kids, they start like building things and like start like cutting down trees for like forts and like crazy stuff like that. Boredom is a healthy thing. Boredom is a part of life. And by allowing our kids to be bored, it actually the creative centers of their brain start firing off and they start trying to figure out what can I do in this space. And like I said, by the way, boredom is good for you. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're experiencing boredom right this second. I'm just kidding. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. But boredom is a good thing. It allows your brain to fire off and be creative. This is the reality. The reality is, is that after kind of going through all this content and just to, like working through all of it, um, I even looked at my own life and I was like, man, I probably need to make some changes. Because this, this is not something that you just set in, right? I mean, it's, it's a very moving kind of thing. Like sometimes you're, you're awesome at it and then, then this comes out and da, 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 and then it starts going this way and then you have to, okay, you know, push it back this way. And, oh, here we go. I feel like that's so much of life, right? And this is the kind of the action point to be thinking about. It may be time for a digital detox for you and your family. It may be time for a digital detox for you and your family. It may be, now talk to your spouse about this, but it may be a great thing for you to drive to the grocery store without your cell phone. Maybe just that little bit of detox is an important thing. It may be as big as going on a trip and saying, you know what? We're gonna turn off devices. We're gonna silence all this stuff and get a chance to reconnect as a family. It may be that you just have hours that the phone is on and then hours that the phone is not. Guys, we live for a long time that way. <laughs> like phones weren't always on 24 hours a day. Like we lived like that as civilization for a very, very long time. I would encourage you to make a survey of your life. Think about how much this has been integrated into your everyday living and then make a determination whether or not you need a digital detox and maybe your family needs a digital detox. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this work that you're doing in each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that you would bring to our attention the things that we need to change, not only for ourselves, but our families. God, I pray that, uh, that when we think about the digital space and we think about how it's such a real thing, how we interact with technology, that God, that this would not be something that we hear and we don't do anything about it. But Lord, that you'd give us the courage to take action, to figure out what healthy rhythms we need to have 
to, in this world that is so connected, that we would learn how to disconnect. God, we love you. We honor you. It's in your wonderful, holy name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.